1: 15 minutes of flame, the hottest podcast on the internet. Okay, we got a little bit of uh, Robert Palmer kind of closing out Robert Palmer week. And um, what kind of background do I want today? Let's go, let's go to Ellis Island, shall we?
0: Let's bring in the Ellis Island background because it's kind of a cool background. Uh, Robert Palmer, interesting character. After yesterday's show, I had an interview with Robert Palmer uh, that was done by Bob Costas on the show that Bob Costas did called later, which, you know, in retrospect, I don't really like Bob Costas because of his political beliefs, but he, he he's a really good interviewer and um, he interviewed, he interviewed Robert Palmer and, uh, got into the music. And the thing about Bob Costas is that he's one of those guys that can span a lot of different eras. And he also did a really good interview with Del Shannon and was able to talk a, a lot about, um, you know, sort of early rock and roll and people like, um, Frankie Valley and, um, who else, uh, what's his name, uh, Frankie V or Johnny V one of those guys right like he, so he was able to communicate with Del Shannon about people and songs from Del Shannon's era which of course was great for Del Shannon because he was able to kind of open up and t- tell stories about that period there's a story that Del Shannon talks about where him and I think I think it was is it, is it Frankie V the the Bobby V the the was like the Polish Elvis or whatever. Uh, so Bobby V w- had a lot of hits back in the day. And um, they were backstage at one of these big rock and roll shows. And, you know, a band would come on and they would play like three or four songs. And then they'd have another band and another band and another band. they, It would be like these kinds of uh, talent extravaganzas. And it was right kind of at the beginning of the British invasion and they were backstage. And and, uh, this is according to Del Shannon, that Bobby V never, he never sat down. Like once he got his suit on, which he performed in, he never sat down because he didn't want any creases in his suit. And they were backstage and Eric Burden and the animals were playing and Bobby V saw the future and he sat down. It was like, there's no fucking way I can compete against this. Like, you know, some people would say, Oh, that's interesting. You know, let me grow my hair out. And, you know, let me talk, let me sing about a, a whorehouse uh, in new Orleans, which is what they were singing. The house of the rising sun, which is, which is a song about a brothel in new Orleans. And he, just realized that was it. It was like the, the writing was on the wall, you know. It reminds me of the scene from the movie. Um oh, what the hell is the name of that movie? It's with it's it's not the
1: warriors, um, but it's kind of like that. Hold on, I have to go back here. Phil Kaufman is the director, and uh The Wanderers
0: is the name of the movie. So when I was young, I was I was a big aficionado of all things like 1950s. It was just an era as a kid that I was attracted to. And so, The Wanderers falls into that category.
1: Uh, it's more of a it's more it's more of a um, literal
0: telling of a story about gangs from the 50s. Whereas the the Warriors is kind of more of this mythical take on the whole thing. Anyway, there's a scene at the end of The Wanderers. You know, it's all doo-wop and it's all Chuck Berry and stuff like that. And there's a scene at the end of The Wanderers where um, the main character, I believe played by Ken Wall, um, has a peek into a coffee house. And there's like a... Joan Baez-like character singing with an acoustic guitar. And you just realize that in that moment, you see that character understand that the time is changing, right? And and the time that's changing has very little to do with his time, right? Kind of like Bobby V watching um, Eric Burton and the Animals and, and finally sitting down with his suit and realizing that, you know, he's... I mean, everybody kind of has a moment like that. You know who else had a moment like that was Eric Clapton, when Eric Clapton saw Jimi Hendrix. Eric Clapton witnessing Jimi Hendrix nearly ended his career as a guitarist. And what's really interesting is that if you look at Eric Clapton's output as a musician a lot of his guitar pyrotechnics are clearly on display with, uh, with cream. Right. And so somewhere after cream and blind faith or in between cream and blind faith, he sees Hendrix and his guitar playing uh, changes dramatically. So then he does Derek and the dominoes, but he goes out and gets Dwayne Allman to be a part of the band because Dwayne Allman is a great guitar player. And, And I think Eric Clapton felt like he needed that in some ways. And then he kind of goes into more of this sort of kind of bluesy um, rhythm, sort of, you know, roots style playing. He hangs out with Delaney and Bonnie. It's like there's kind of psychedelic guitar god Eric Clapton, and then there's Jimi Hendrix, and then Eric Clapton's output becomes very, very different. And so there's always these like cultural touchstones where you begin to realize that um like your, your, your time is kind of calm in some ways. And it's gotta be, you know, incredibly difficult for people. Oh, look who's here. Jasper. It's gotta be incredibly difficult for people who have that, that moment, that experience. It's like, you know, you're a basketball player. And you think you're really good and then all of a sudden you know magic johnson's magic johnson shows up and you're like fuck you know i'll never be that good or that guy's doing things that um you know i'll I'll never do i mean it, it it it's really it's just it's it's fascinating and and it's not just like somebody who's better than you but but there's also sort of these um you know kind of cultural touchstones i'll give you another one that's sports related it's when steph curry shows up in the nba yes i know you're a big steph curry fan and steph curry changes the game he starts shooting three points from neptune right like nobody was sh- shot three point three pointers as accurately consistently as steph curry did and he changes the game of basketball and if you were like a center who was 6'11", and weighed 265 pounds or 270 pounds. Um, and you saw that if you had any kind of self-awareness, you realized that your days were numbered. L- like no matter how good Shaquille O'Neal was, what a crazy physical specimen um, he was, there'd be a place for him in today's games because he was such a freak, but he wouldn't be the same player because those players have become extinct, right? The three-point line changed everything. And when somebody finally learned how to exploit it and they they changed the offense, like it was all about spacing and it wasn't about, you know, finding a big guy down low where his ability to make a shot was somewhere in the 70 percentile range, right? You would always want somebody to be able to make a shot that would be 70% effective. But the three-point shot changed all that. So there... You know we have these with these cultural um, moments,
1: and um, and I'm just trying to think about you know what what they may look like to us. You know, like what I'll tell you, a moment that that I think probably stood
0: out um, for some people in a, what i would call um either a negative or a limiting light and that would be the the election of barack obama it was like when a, when barack obama was elected if you were really paying attention it was like okay this is this is the end of an era right and it has nothing to do with him being so-called black and i'm not even sure you know, how truly black Barack Obama
1: is. And I know that may sound like it's just an absolute um, heresy, but that's another discussion. But that was one of those things,
0: right? Like if you were um, kind of an average, um, you know, blue collar, conservative American, that election is the the same kind of has the same kind of effect that Bobby V seen Eric Burden and the Animals had. It was just like if you didn't realize it in a conscious way, right? In an unconscious way, you were uncomfortable, and it was like the 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 beginning of an era
1: where your time was over and fast forward and look what happened and if you had that kind of realization
0: um and you looked around at the world or you're witnessing the world as it is right now you would not be wrong right because the the world as we knew it really came to an end in a lot of ways with the election of Barack Obama and i i, I don't have a problem with the so-called black american president it's just who that person is and what they did and what they've done and what they continue to do. And, um, you know, meanwhile, a bunch of other people were celebrating, you know, they were, they were uh, toasting, uh, you know, raising champagne glasses to how enlightened we all were because now we finally had a Black president that we could put our past behind us. You know, that this was the achievement of the civil rights movement. This is exactly what uh, Martin Luther King talked about. And we we could elect and judge people by the character of their content. You know, the only problem was that nobody, nobody really knew who Barack Obama was. It was one of the greatest bait and switches of all time. I mean, if you think about it, he was he was barely a U.S. senator, and how he became a U.S. senator. We've talked about this before. Was it, it was a, it was a total fix? Everything about Barack Obama's political career has been a total fix, except for the election in um, 2008. In 2008,
1: there was no fix. They didn't have to fix it, but. If you were really paying attention, you realized that it was the end of an era.
0: And, the, you know, these things happen, right? Like, sometimes they're very subtle. And sometimes they'll hit you over the head like a freaking hammer, like the hammer of Thor. And today's Thor's day. And so with that, let me get into Chataria and see how you guys are doing. Oh, the Robert Palmer story. So Robert Palmer, I found this out by watching uh, the Bob Costas interview. Robert Palmer's father. See this. This goes right into um, yesterday's topic about like purity and you know all all the stuff that um, that we talked about in terms of the sound of freedom and all those dynamics that are part of it. Well, it turns out Robert Palmer's father was a spy. He worked for British Naval Intelligence. And one of the things that he was tasked with was listening in on other people's conversations, meaning conversations in other countries, because Robert Palmer did not grow up. It really, for the most part, in the UK, which is interesting. He also didn't grow up with a lot of television uh, because of where they lived. And he did grow up with music, though, so he was um, steeped in music. He didn't have a lot of the same cultural touch points as other people, but, you know, his father was a spy, right? So you, you look at the music and you look at the person, and, and again, it's like, well, gee, do I, do I throw all of Robert Palmer's music out because his father worked for Naval Intelligence, the British version? And I would say, no, I wouldn't do that. Um, the Stuart Copeland's father was the head of the CIA in the Middle East. He was the bureau chief. And, uh, I mean, you know, famous stories around, uh, him and Kim Philby, meaning the father and how Kim Philby would come over to the Copeland house and get drunk and spill his guts. And Stuart Copeland's dad would, you know, encourage it. Say, like, yeah, tell us more, tell us more. Right. So. You know, th- that gets into sort of the, the military industrial complex and the relationship with, with rock and roll in general, whether it's the Laurel Canyon or whether it's um, guys like Stuart Copeland, whose father was in the CIA, or Joe Stromer, whose father was a diplomat and um, traveled all around the world. And most diplomats are really spies. If If you really want to know the truth, that's what they are. Um, yeah, they're there to perform, you know, sort of functionary business or people that are part of the country that they represent, that are living in the country that they're in. But they're also, and everybody knows that they're all spies. So Joe Strummer's dad did the same thing. So it's, if you go and drill down deep enough, you'll find really strange connections with a lot of these people. Um, So finding out that Robert Palmer's father was a spy, does it keep me from listening to his music? No, but it was really interesting to, you know, listen to that interview, especially on the heels of what we were talking about yesterday. All right. I said I'd get into chat today and I'm in the chat today. Let's see who we got. Here's my man, Michael. Hey, Mark M. Mr. Matheny. Uh, There's been a request for you to appear on one of my shows. So I'm going to find you on Facebook, and we'll talk about it. Uh, there's my man, TJ. What's going on? Tomas. And there's the aforementioned Thor. Uh, an for weather. I'm game. Cool. Good. All right. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? Uh, Wendy says, what's happening, Wendy? The beautiful one. Beth Berry is here, double B. How much money does Ray Epps extort from Fox News? So the raps thing is really fascinating. There, the, uh, I was sent a link to a video from Woo's News. Have you guys ever watched Woo's News? Um, the guy who does it's really really good. He's quite funny. He's a really superb editor and uh, researcher, and he breaks the fuck down of January 6th. And he he really does it in such a granular way that the entire thing is a production. It's a production. It's a production on the left. It's a production on the right. They supply the characters and the actors. And Ray Epps is an actor. And he's right in the midst of it. And I think it's interesting that this video comes out. And then three days later... Ray Epps is being indicted. It only took two fucking years to get to this point, but you have to wonder if Ray Epps will ever spend a day in a real prison. Now he might, he might, but he was, he was on the payroll. Okay. Ray Epps was on the payroll. Stuart Rhodes was on the payroll. I'd still like to know if Stuart Rhodes is actually in a prison. He might be. He might be, they will turn on, they will eat, they will eat one another if they have to.
1: But I would I would like to know if Stuart Rhodes is actually in a prison. Will Ray Epps actually serve time in a prison? Now, if these guys are plants and if they are agent
0: provocateurs,
1: then maybe they'll spill the beans. I'm actually surprised that Ray Epps has stuck around this long. If he was one of the
0: uh, fire starters, and it clearly appears that he was, then if you're the people that employed him, wouldn't you want him out of the
1: picture? Wouldn't you want him dead? or at least fake something, without draw too much attention?
0: I mean, it's, this is a really uh, interesting story. Now, with Stuart, Stuart Rhodes, I don't think, and I could be wrong, but I don't think there was any public testimony from Stuart Rhodes or his lawyer or defending anything about um, his presence and participation and, and clearly if you read the revolver wasn't what the website is the revolver interview or the revolver piece on jan six stuart rhodes is he's a huge player and this is not a publication that's dedicated to the left or the right it's really just a it's a journalistic publication and they did an exhaustive and i went over this an exhaustive like, search on Ray, not Ray up Stuart Rhodes's background, where he came from, um, his stay at the Bundy Ranch in Nevada, and how that was just incredibly sheep dipped from the beginning. And so, we're dealing with a lot of just sheep dipped characters, and Ray Epps is one of them. And it'll be interesting to see what happens. All right, let's see what else
1: we have. Um, let's see. Who else we have? Lisa W. Eps lectic seizure. Yes, nice name. Uh, let's see, who else do we have? Sony, what's happening? The classic one. Kelly B's here. Hello, back at you. Uh, Mark M. I am free tomorrow if needed. We might do that, Mark. Past lives matter. What's happening? C.C. Jones, C.C. Ryder, fantastic is here. Equicentric,
0: happy god of thunder. In the sky day, Thor was the eldest son of the chief deity, Odin and Jorth. He was second only to Odin in importance and was probably the most popular god of the Norse
1: pantheon. He had a comic created after him. Uh let's see, who else do we have? That that the that that the, the crossfire cat what's shaken. Excellent analysis of the movie yesterday. Wish I could have been here. Yeah, I mean questions abound. But again, like if we're if we're being binary with the sound of freedom. Yes or no.
0: I'm yes. I'm yes. with all the flaws and all the,
1: you know, potential sordid characters, I'm yes because, the no is really just a cul-de-sac. It's a total cul-de-sac. And you know and who and who gets movies made? And
0: I think things are just a lot more complex than we understand.
1: There, there there there's nobody in this world who is
0: untainted and pure and has a position of influence and power. There's, it just doesn't it doesn't work that way. At some point in time, your hands get dirty. I mean, even if it's minor dirt, you know, even if you know you're you're doing something on your taxes to fudge your taxes. And it, it's kind of borderline, right? Like, and if somebody dug deep enough, they'd say, Oh, look, look, look what this person did. And 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 the you know, that's the stark morality game of the world. And Nobody can it, it's one of the tactics that's used in the whole solinsky playbook because nobody can ever live up to their um, kind of moral standards and the capacity of their moral standards, either past or present. and and they know that, right. And so they will attack people on moral grounds. And once you have to defend yourself on moral grounds, you're you're you've kind of lost already. Um, you know, being offensive versus defensive is always a better strategy. But yeah, I just don't think it—it's out there. I don't—I don't think it's in play. And if it is, or a person does have a spotless and immaculate past, I just—I don't feel like they're going to be anywhere close. I'll tell you one guy who
1: might approach that. One guy who might approach that. And that's Josh Hawley from Missouri,
0: H-A-W-L-E-Y. You know him. Josh Hawley,
1: who's a Capricorn, feels to me like somebody who is very conscious every
0: step of the way of who they are, who they've hung out with. And what they've done now, there may be some affiliations in his family. Who the fuck knows? I'm not a Josh Hawley expert, but I, I I would bet that if you were somebody who was a muckraker or somebody on the left or somebody on the right who opposed Josh Hawley, especially if he was running for president, um, you'd be very hard pressed to find anything on the guy. Very hard pressed. He's about the only person I, I can I could think of that might fall into that category. Um pretty unremarkable song where I'm missing something. Uh, yeah, you're missing everything. Let's see. We got um
1: Harry Bowie. Warming up my bolo tie. It's coming. Nicholas Graham. What's going
0: on, Nicholas? Hey. Hope you all are doing well. Best wishes to each one. Thank you, Nicholas. Good to see you here. A uh, mayor, I'll be seeing you soon. Hola from Panama, rainy morning. You know who that is? That is Finker also known as Len, checking in. Scenes of Legend shows today. Appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, Scenes of Appreciate it. Good to see you, Darlene Tiffer to the two one zero, the two one zero checking in. I like San Antonio. I like San Antonio better than Austin. San Antonio is kind of gritty and real and sprawling. You know, it's got weird stores.
1: It's, 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 it's Austin
0: is in some ways, a Austin wasn't always finely manicured, but it is now. San Antonio is not finely manicured. Although there are areas in San Antonio that are certainly upscale. Uh, let's see. No creases in his suit.
1: Where is his Virgo? Let me see if Bob let me see if Bobby V was Bobby V was uh, a Taurus. I think sometimes Taurus can have very virgoent kinds of um. aspects. Robert
0: Thomas Valine, known professionally as Bobby V, was an American singer who was a teen idol in the early 1960s, also appeared in films, according to the Billboard magazine. He had 38 Hot 100 chart hits, 10 of which reached the top 20. He had six gold singles in
1: his career. Uh, Bobby Valeen, Robert Thomas Villeen, was from Fargo, North Dakota. Um, and he... Uh, did he die? 2016, pretty recent. Bobby Villeen, take good care of my baby. Yeah, he
0: had that moment. He saw Eric Burden. and he said, there's no way I can compete with this. Like really, like, does Bobby V all of a sudden, you know, drop the suit
1: and ruffle his hair and start singing about whorehouses? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Who else else did something like that? Where they they just realized it was... Okay. John Christow, who was
0: the big critic for the the, uh, New York Times, New York Times music critic. Once he saw Bruce Springsteen, he said,
1: I have seen the future of music and it is Bruce Springsteen. You know, I wonder how Dylan would feel
0: about seeing somebody like Bruce Springsteen because Springsteen comes out of the Dylan world. If you look at the evolution of sort of the the Dylan-esque character, it it all starts with Woody Guthrie. So it goes Woody Guthrie, Dylan, and you know that Bruce Springsteen listened to Bob Dylan, so Springsteen kind of is the, the next iteration of Dylan. And if
1: you were Bob Dylan and saw Bruce Springsteen, you probably thought to yourself, man, I'm, I'm kind of done. Right. I am kind of done. And then I think even Dylan has
0: that moment, right? Like Dylan, who was part of the folk scene in New York city, um, saw somebody in,
1: what was his name? Um, I think, the, I think his name was Reddy Highwatt And he was performing in the village.
0: And he, he had plugged in his instruments and was electric. And I, and I think this was a guy that kind of changed um, the whole folk scene. And one of the first groups that uh, changed their sound was the Loving Spoonful, who were kind of, they were kind of a, what was known as a jug band. And they came out of the village. All those guys lived in the village. Um, John Sebastian, who's the lead singer, his father was a classical harmonica player. So they 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 were all hanging around the village when they were young. They went to coffee houses, and they saw this guy Reddy High Watt, and that changed. That changed eleven spoonful, and they said, fuck it, we're we're going electric," and I, and and I think. Dylan probably had that moment too. And for people who were in the folk scene and Dylan, you know, bringing the band onto the stage at the Newport folk festival, it's one of those moments, right? He was, he was booed. They were trying to boo him off the stage because of everything that rock and roll, uh, you know, was, was that folk music wasn't rock and roll was commercial, it was all about commodification. It was corporate, and the folk scene was somehow pure. Um, although I think the folk scene was astroturfed in a lot of ways, but that's what happened, right? I mean, you know, and it, and it it probably happened when somebody, you know, heard the first analog sequencer, They're sitting around going, "Well, fuck," you know, like think about being a rock band,
1: and hearing craft work. You're just looking at going. Wow. Wow. Those guys are just on a different, completely different level. But if you're a Devo, it was a good thing. Uh, let's see. No more rhetoric. Just steal. No. Crosshair Cat. We're going to get into the reparations thing
0: today. Me too. I like The Wanderers. is a really good movie. It's got Karen Allen. Karen Allen was a hottie. Uh, the real Abby G. What's going on, Abby? Good to see you here. Checking in from the deep south. 69 TM, you like the 50s. What did you think about Asteroid City? I don't know. I've never seen Asteroid City. I have
1: to watch it. Um, yeah, I dug the 50s, but I think that's kind of how these things work. It, you know, I grew up in the 70s. And well. My
0: youth was in the '60s, but my my teen years were in the '70s. And I don't know. I just I just found you know like rock and roll and leather jackets a lot more interesting um, than sort of the the flower power. That doesn't mean I was into like psychedelic and shit like that. I mean, there was I, some of it I was, but to me the '50s were just cooler. They were cooler than the than the '60s. You know, they had a bit of attitude and um, rebellion. And, and 60s rebellion was just different. The 50s to me were more punk rock. Uh, PMSO, what's going on, Janine? Did I say hi to you? Julie? Hi, Julie.
1: Where is Ray actually being extracted from? That's a good question. Uh, let's see, who else do we have? Rolling Stones got nothing on. The Animals were really good. They had a run, didn't they? They had a run. And Eric, Eric Burton, he was Welsh. Uh, Wales had some pretty good contributions during that time. Who, who else was Welsh? Or somebody
0: else fairly well-known? That went, Well, Tom, isn't Tom Jones Welsh? I think Tom Jones
1: is Welsh. And they both had very kind of, you know, soulful, kind of husky voices. We got to get out of this place. Is a great song.
0: Uh, let's see. Bo's here. What's going on, Kabuki? My man. Gigi,
1: am I being trolled here? I don't think so. I don't know. I hope not. We have a troll booth. We have a troll booth in chat. If you're going to be a troll, you you have to pay a bigger price to be here.
0: Mary Lee, I hope everyone has managed to get through these dog days of summer. We are
1: working on it. Tamra checking in for just a moment in time. Uh, let's see, who else do we have? Gigi, you're all good. You're all good. Uh I worked with a black dude who who declared he
0: voted for O because he was black. You know if I was black I'd probably vote for Barack Obama too. I yeah, I'm not I I would be ashamed to admit that, right? It's like yeah man here we go. It's like you know we finally got here. I I completely understand that. I completely understand why somebody would do that it would be interesting to see if he still feels that way because a lot of people don't who fit into that demographic and they look back and they say we got played it it was one of the biggest grifts of all time the the whole thing the planning that went into it you you know it just wasn't some kind of a and he wasn't just some kind of overnight sensation there was some long-term fucking planning that went into that moment every step of the way he had the this invisible hand moving him along from station to station to station to station right and even his electoral process when he when the his first election when he was what do they call them, aldermen? I think they're called aldermen. And he ran against another Democrat, and he lost.
1: And what did they do? They did a recount. And then through the recount, they realized, I, I think, let me get my history right. I think they
0: had to do like a, a runoff or a re-election. There was something about it where Okay, we have to have a redo here. And in between the time that that happened, and they, I think they had the second election, they redistricted so that the votes would come up Obama. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. And then eventually, I think he becomes what a Chicago state senator, and that happens very quickly. And then he becomes a US senator. And, you know, I've talked about that before and how the guy that he ran against had his divorce records revealed. Um, Jack Ryan. He was going through a divorce with Jerry Ryan, who was seven of nine on Star Trek. The hottest Borg in the universe. And those records, those divorce records were unsealed and they were made public. I believe it was the Chicago Tribune. And then once that happened, Jack Ryan had to drop out of the race and he was the presumptive favorite. I mean, think about this for a moment. A Republican Senator from Illinois was favored in an election against Barack Obama. You know that that's just a different timeline and they had to make sure this guy was not going to run and they've, they figured it out. So There is the guiding hand behind Obama every step of the fucking way. Right, Jasper? But I can understand why somebody who was black would want to vote for him. I totally
1: get it. But I also think that they probably would maybe have second thoughts about that now. Uh, Let's see.
0: A lot of people voted for him for that reason, the beginning of the end. Yeah, there were white people that voted for him because he was black. And they made it real easy, didn't they? They had John McCain, who is as charismatic, I don't know, as, um,
1: you know, wallpaper. Um, Oh, he's a maverick. He's a maverick. Then you had um, Sarah Palin, you know, loopy Sarah Palin. And that really, that election was Sarah Palin versus Barack Obama. So so it was easy. It was easy. If you were white and you
0: had any kind of progressive and liberal leanings, and you're coming out of eight years of George Bush, I mean, that's the other thing. There were a lot of Democrats who, the whole George Bush presidency is just so fucking weird. Like those eight years are so weird, because he comes in in 2000 and there's a major kind of economic crash, and then to reboot the the economy, they go through this whole thing with the housing the housing market, which had been going on for a while, right? But eventually, it's the bookend for his his presidency, and a year later, there's 911. And we're off and running with all of these regime changes and these wars without end. And there was very
1: little pushback on the Democratic side, very little pushback. I mean, you you had um, the woman who started Code Pink, and I think you had, what's her name, Uh, Barbara Lee?
0: From, uh I was there's two Lees, there's one from Texas and there's one from like the Berkeley or it's the Berkeley Lee. She was the only one that
1: stood up against the war who was a Democrat. All the Democrats just rubber stamped all that shit, all of it It was it, it was it was almost as if, you know, the the
0: party had a case of Stockholm syndrome, but really that you know, they were all Uh, making lots of money off the military-industrial complex and their stocks with Lockheed and Raytheon, they were getting rich. They were getting rich. And so they just kind of looked the other way. And this is what happens with politics. It's like, yeah, I'll rob Peter to pay Paul. And Paul is my constituents. And I'll take this money that I'm getting and I'll do good things with it. So I think it was very easy for Democrats who had basically kept their mouth shut and sat on their hands for the almost the entirety of the Bush administration to say, okay, here's our chance to vote him out. And it was a slam dunk. It, it was like, you know, taking, you know, the the back in pro football for a brief period of time. They would have the team that won the NFL championship or the Super Bowl grow up against college all stars. It was the most stupid fucking idea, because the pros you're talking about the best team. Like maybe the worst team. Like take the worst team in the NFL and play them against the college all stars, and I still think the worst team in the NFL would clean their clock, because they're not men. Like they're not fully grown into the man. They're they're they man body. But they would just get slaughtered, right? That's what that election was like. It was like, yeah, let's take the 19, you know, 74 Pittsburgh Steelers and put them up against the College All-Stars. Well, that'll be real fair. And that's what happened. Obama was the 74 Steelers. It was a slam dunk. There was no way. And the one, the one guy who might have been able to make a difference and challenged people on an ideological level was Ron Paul and the media wanted no part of Ron Paul. They froze his ass out. So you couldn't even get a, a reasonable Republican candidate. And it's interesting to think about like, what if Ron Paul ran against Barack Obama? They would have had to have thrown the election. Because I think they threw a lot of the primaries that Ron Paul was in. Ron Paul, people forget about the phenomenon of Ron Paul. And he was the guy that really started this idea of fundraising or crowdsourcing. No other candidate had done that before. You know, a lot of the traditional models for donors came out of the donor class. And Ron Paul completely changed the game and when bernie sanders sanders ran for president he ran off that model twice right i mean so ron paul you know even though he wasn't elected he changed the way that campaigns are financed and ran and so you could have a, somebody who was like an outsider somebody who didn't really want to have to take corporate money um and people who responded to that person, would would, would get behind them. And he, Ron Paul, in that regard, was revolutionary. It was really like the Ron Paul revolution. It would have been interesting in an alternate universe to have Ron Paul run against Barack Obama.
1: I think in a debate, um, Ron Paul could have cleaned Obama's clock. and I, And I know that Obama was thought of as this great orator I, I
0: think he was vastly overrated in that regard and his teleprompter was
1: his best asset I don't think they wanted anything to do with Ron Paul so the same you know
0: military industrial media complex who helped promote Obama were also complicit in the um you know the 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 diminution of Ron Paul you know hazmat in Ron Paul and what's interesting is that they didn't do that with Trump right they didn't do that with Trump in 2016 I don't think they could do that with Trump I think I think the media had a kind of Faustian deal with Trump because they knew that they would get good numbers with Trump. I mean, the guy was coming off of the apprentice. Um, he's controversial. And I think that they said, okay, let's let's give let's give Trump some some spotlight. Let's let's give let's give him some burn, as they say. And at the end of the day, um, he won't become president anyway. So it'll be a boon for us ratings-wise. And it was. I mean, you know, people watch those debates. They watch those debates because of Trump. And Trump had something that Ron Paul did not have. He had a Q rating. His Q rating was much higher than Ron Paul. And Ron Paul was seriously dangerous. And I think that... The mainstream media looked at Trump and said, he's a novelty act and we'll promote him and he's a clown and he won't win. I mean, and if you looked at all the prevailing polls, there was only one major newspaper that predicted that Trump would win, and that was the L.A. Times. And how did the L.A. Times do it? The L.A. Times got their information because they called people. Most of these major pollers and, and the, the, the polling services that went along with the major newspapers would sit outside of the, uh, the the polling places in the primaries. And they would ask people, and if you were somebody who was a Republican and you voted for Trump, right, and it was a primary and, you know, the the primaries were, were, were going on, Um in, in, in both parties, right? You could lie about who you voted for easily. You could say, oh, I voted for, I don't know, fill in the blank, Jeb Bush, or or I voted for uh, Hillary Clinton. And these people would probably lie. They, they, you know, a lot of them were silent generation people and they weren't going to tell anybody how they voted. So all these pollsters were running on, really um i would say misinformation and not disinformation but the one publication that managed to get people on the phone and actually ask them questions the la times had a much stronger sample size and they were like yeah we think trump is going to win now that said that's always not a given and I don't believe that Trump was supposed to win. I don't think Trump believes that he was supposed to win. And I was on Giuseppe's show, um, I think about a month ago. And he basically said that Trump's election fixers were better than Hillary's election fixers. And I would say that's probably true.
1: And that there, there was an... Uh, there is a war going on there like
0: you know blocking Hillary votes or making sure that that the Trump votes that were in the mix were actually going to be counted. I just, I don't think Trump was supposed to win. Now the media did this Faustian deal with Trump and you realize that as, they realized that as soon as he got elected that the tables turned it was like, okay, we, we gave you all this coverage. You know, we did things with you because of your Q rating that we didn't do with Ron Paul, because Ron Paul has no Q rating. We made money off of you. We promoted you and we promoted you with the idea that you probably weren't going to win. So for us, it was
1: like, okay, you know, we'll take the deal. And then as soon as that, didn't pan out they flipped the deal and they went
0: right after trump i mean before he even got into office they were going after him and i actually think that's what happened
1: all right let's see who else do we have people are still enamored by obama you know it's true it's true people still regard obama as you know
0: the last, and, it, and it's funny because like you contrast him with, with Trump and then you contrast him with Biden and you're playing the contrast game. Oh, well, wasn't, wasn't Trump just an awful person. He was so coarse and he was so rough and, you know, he was such a homophobe and a, a xenophobe and a transphobe and, you know, Trump was never any of those things. It was, it was all just part of part of the programming, and then now you've got you know um, depends Joe, and how does that look? Make Obama look a lot better, right? This was the guy that worked for him, so now you have these two candidates who provide theoretically an even more favorable contrast to Obama. People are like, oh, I just wish Obama was still our president. He didn't embarrass us. He never embarrassed us. You remember when Obama talked about um, with Medvedev? And he says to Medvedev, you know, you
1: know, tell, tell, tell Vladimir that I can do more for you after the election. I just have to get elected first.
0: It was a hot mic moment, and everybody knows that moment. Everybody, and nobody ever really brings it up. You know, nobody ever says, oh, Obama had a really cozy fucking relationship with Medvedev and and Putin. Super cozy. He's over there having hamburgers. Or that he was here. I think Medvedev was here having hamburgers and drinking beer. Uh, but he definitely went to Russia. And, you know, my my theory is that Obama and Medvedev knew each other. And I would not be surprised. If Obama and Medvedev were lovers,
1: they seemed a little too cozy. Still waiting for Obama to pay my mortgage. Did, he, did you get a cell phone? Hope you got a cell phone out of the deal. Uh, let's see. hang in laundry. Out walking. Walk on. Appointed, not elected. Here we go. Um pass behind us, is what started the guilt BS. It really it happened very quickly, didn't it?
0: There was the story of the Harvard professor who got locked out of his house because he couldn't find his keys, and there was the campus police that came by because they saw him breaking into his house and that became a very early flashpoint for obama and there was a sign that that race was going to play a very big role in the obama presidency and anytime anything happened around we've covered this before but you know anytime anything ever happened with whether it was um trayvon martin who would have been like obama's son Uh, Trayvon Martin, or Michael Brown, or Freddie Gray. And there was outrage and burning the streets of Baltimore or burning the streets of Ferguson. Obama never said anything. He never said anything. He never said that this type of protest
1: is uh, unacceptable. It's unacceptable. As Americans, we don't do that. Right. I understand
0: your outrage. I understand your anger. You know, it's going to be played out in the courts. This is why we have a legal system in the United States. He never did that. He just poured kerosene on it. It's like, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they have a right to protest. Well, the other part of it isn't just rubber stamping the protest, but it was also engineering the protest. I mean, that's a big part of what happened with ferguson in baltimore you had a jean provocateurs in there you had people who were community organizers that were running
1: all that stuff right so it wasn't just like feel free to exercise your first amendment rights no i
0: think that there was some strategic planning going on behind the scenes as well uh, let's see, who else do we have? How would I feel about a black female prostitute for president?
1: I, you know, it depends on the prostitute, I would say. it would. De- I think it would depend on the prostitute. That's an obvious reference in contrast to a black male prostitute. God, all that stuff was coming out during that time, too, wasn't it? Well, there, you know, the bathhouse Barry
0: stuff. Um, and his relationship with the, the limo driver, Larry, what's his name? I mean, it was like
1: all over the place. It was clearly in the alt media spaces. There uh, is this one story and it was this woman,
0: it's probably, you probably can't even find it on the internet, but it was a story about this woman and she was at this um, democratic event. It was held in Chicago and there was the guy who was Donald, what's his name, um, from Jeremiah Wright's church. And he was, he sang in the choir at the church and he mysteriously died. And there is this woman who had a story about being at a democratic event in Chicago and she had to find the restroom. And so she, I think went down like a level. So, So like the event was, like street level, and then there was sort of like a, an area down below that might have been, I don't know, conference rooms or something like that. So she went down there,
1: and she smelled something unusual and pungent. And uh, what she smelled was, was was crack. And she essentially says...
0: That she witnessed Barack Obama down in this kind of um, like, uh, you know, space where they would, you know, have like lectures or talks. And and that he was down there with this guy. Right. That's what they were doing. They were like doing they were doing drugs and she was inferring that they were actually having sex. I forget his last name. You guys will know. he's one of these mysterious deaths right like he was he was in the church he was in jeremiah wright's church and even the whole jeremiah wright thing it's like oh yeah obama's a good christian and you and you listen to jeremiah wright's um sermons you're like whoa
1: whoa this guy's you know not a real adherent to brotherly love is he The, fa- the whole thing was just such a fabrication. And, you know,
0: could they get away with it now? I think that's really the interesting question. And maybe they could. You know, maybe, maybe the next version of that is Bobby Kennedy Jr. I maybe mean, maybe he's the next version of it. Or maybe the next version of it is Vivek Ramaswamy. I, I mean, could, it would have to be a lot more sophisticated. Uh, just a lot more sophisticated um and and i actually think that they've kind of run out of the runway for stuff like this so i think we'll probably have one more election in 2024 and i think that's it i think that's the last one um and pluto's in aquarius after that pluto's in capricorn in 2024 and to me that's the last outpost of the election But I just think it would be harder and harder. The whole Joe Biden thing. Again, it's like
1: you know, how are they going to pull off another steal like Biden? Because theoretically, I mean, let's let's play this out a little bit. Let's say Ron DeSantis is um, the candidate, and let's
0: say they roll out Robo-Joe, or maybe not Robo-Joe. Let's say they they roll out um, Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom is entirely unlikable. He's really unlikable.
1: He's one of these people that, uh, you know, appears on the surface to be likable. But if you spend any reasonable amount of time Listening
0: to him, you can tell that he's a fucking killer. He's a killer, right? He's got he's got that kind of sociopathic edge, and he may use it to distance himself from you know these so called uh, xenophobes or white nationalists or whatever, right? He'll use that Mars and Sagittarius to promote his self righteousness,
1: but he's not likable. So I just you know, I just don't see how they're
0: going to, you know, run the steel again in the same way. Or they can't replicate the same model. They can't. Let's say Ron DeSantis is the candidate, who, by the way, is falling behind Trump um, in the polls. But let's say Ron DeSantis somehow is the candidate. Do you think that Ron DeSantis? with his military connections, with his very
1: strong ties to Israel, that the people that are behind him and would support him would allow that to happen? I don't think so.
0: And that's why the whole system in the process of getting somebody elected is really corrupt because you have to find a bigger bully and a bigger fixer than your opponent. It's really not based on a system of merit at all. It hasn't been for a long time, but now it's become increasingly clear that your side has got to be, you know, a bigger bully and more sophisticated than the other, you know, the other guy's side. It's like, you know, one gang against the other. So you have to have these alliances or else you don't stand a fucking chance. And for whatever, you know, I do think that with Trump in 2020, um, 2020 that the death of Sheldon Adelson was a game changer. Like, Sh- Sheldon, like Sheldon Adelson's wife still had the pocketbook and could still donate, but Sheldon Adelson had
1: a lot of political power he could he could really lean on people um,
0: financially and politically. And Trump did not have Sheldon Adelson in 2020. And I think that's a huge, huge difference in the Trump campaign. You, you know, Sheldon Adelson got his last wish before he died, which was it's really funny because he just desperately wanted the american embassy to be in jerusalem and not tel aviv and he would put all this money behind all these candidates and they would all say they would do it and they never did it right and finally he gets the one guy who owed him big time politically and economically to make that switch and then guess what happens he dies right i mean it's kind of ironic maybe Maybe if Sheldon Adelson, maybe if that, um, it's like, oh, I can die now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. I can die now that this has happened. You guess what? He died. Maybe maybe if Trump hadn't done that, he'd still be around. It's funny, like, you know, these, these, these events and causation. I mean, really, maybe somewhere in Sheldon Adelson's dark spirit, He said, I can rest now. I could rest now. My life's work has been fulfilled and completed. Now I just can't
1: wait to see that beautiful temple be rebuilt. Sorry. Sorry, Shelly. You got what you asked for. You know, my very first spiritual teacher, said something very very
0: enlightening. It was one of the most enlightened. And I was young, like 20 years old, right? 19, 20 years old. And he said something to me at that time, which stuck with me then and now. And the thing that he said is, each man is given according to his own belief. Think about that. Each man is given
1: according to his own belief. And if Sheldon Adelson's belief was, you know, I don't know what he would call his God, right? You know, maybe he said, God, I don't know. Yahweh. If we could ever have the, the embassy moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, And it would be the gateway to the rebuilding of the third temple. Which would be my life's work. That I could live in peace. And maybe that's all it took. Maybe that was his belief. And the God that he believed in said, okay, you got it. See ya. There you go. He was an
0: unhealthy guy. Don't get me wrong. He was not he was not a well individual but maybe that's how it worked what however it worked i think it fucked trump because sheldon adelson was very powerful and he did not have him around so that was one significant ally in uh trump's crime pocket that he didn't have all right let's see who else love that robber problem i love looking for clues thank you julie
1: it's really meditative right it's like uh, looking for clues i think is robert palmer's best record all right who else do we have um, today i have a couple of hours of respite that's an
0: interesting word isn't it respite because it's like there's spite
1: and then there's respite let's bring the sp- let's bring the spite back again respite so is okay i'm just playing with the etymology here
0: so is respite connected to um acting out one's spite and then you get to relax after
1: it's just a thought it's an interesting word uh let's see who else do we have peachy and jasper yeah they both made appearances today uh the real
0: abby g making pumpkin popovers from my sugar pumpkin harvest Mm -mm. that sounds delish there's the woos news the woos news totally outspread apps i don't think there's any coincidence
1: that this thing comes out, and then a couple days later, they're they're pulling them out of circulation. Um, his testimony has not been released, and it has so much for transparency. Let's see what else we have. I think Ray Epps is going to be dust in the wind soon. I would say so. Sounds about right. Uh, let's see. Let's see. So is Jasper for sale? What's up with the post on the site? I don't know. Jasper's not for sale. He is not for sale. Jasper, at least not for me. I don't know. I don't know what Jasper's, uh prices according to jasper we haven't had that conversation uh let's see anybody else so tom chimes in the sound of freedom was
0: completed in 2018 and it had a distribution deal with 20th century fox
1: then disney bought fox and shelved the film well that should tell you something right there Uh, Another movie that is likely better at getting to the point is 8mm. Isn't that with Nicolas Cage? I think that's a Nicolas Cage movie. Let's see. Third Eye Poked. We know who that is? Our friend Marge. Marge got some biceps, man. Marge sent me a, a, a picture uh, on through DM on Twitter. Marge is yoked. I wouldn't mess with Marge. What is the new do? Oh, that. Oh, that thing. Okay. No, no, no,
0: no, no, no. It's the kitty. Right? You get it? It's the kitty. So
1: there... <laughs> that's what you're referring to at the top right so i used to have a donation button uh on the site from paypal which
0: i which i ditched and somebody wanted to donate to the show but they didn't want to use or couldn't use paypal so i created um a stripe donation or 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 a link through stripe so if you just wanted to donate to the show some people do Um, it's there so you found it and that's why it's there jasper's not it's the kitty
1: right get it kitty donate to the kitty and he's cute and i'm exploiting him okay what else when sinatra met elvis yeah one of those moments right you just kind of there's the future it's like holy shit you know this is You know, i I think human, I think humanity might have that moment when AI
0: really comes on, and there's there's this absolutely very human like erudite can't tell the difference between uh, a human and a cyborg, and I do think that day will come. There's an interesting theory, but I can't believe we're almost out of time here. Um, there's an interesting theory
1: that's floating around about the woman on the plane. And the theory is, is that they are actually trying out um, non-human workers. And that the woman is, had an interaction with a flight attendant that wasn't human.
0: And so it's kind of an interesting little video. And one of the things that the guy um, talks about in the video is this clip from Kevin Hart. And Kevin Hart was hanging out with Steph Curry um, at an NBA All-Star game. And Kevin Hart is going off. And he was saying that Steph Curry was not human, that he had wires in his arm and shit. And it's a it's a really interesting video. People have thought this about Steph Curry for a while. Like, if you go back and look at Steph Curry when he started off playing, he's quite frail, and he is he is not not the guy that um, you see today physically. And some can attribute that to training and, like, okay, I get it, right. Um, But Steph Curry had really bad ankles and that it it plagued him in college and it plagued him uh, in his first few years in the NBA. And then all of a sudden, all of his ankle stuff goes away. So he played this video where Steph Curry had his arm up and you could actually see something inside of Steph Curry's bicep that does not look like a body part. And then he goes on to play this clip where Steph Curry is taking
1: a basketball and he's all the way on the other side of the court. Like by the
0: other basket. And he's taking his arm and he's launching these basketballs. Like, you know, like almost like a catapult. He's not even
1: shooting. And he did... Five in a row that went right into the basket. Show me a human that can do that. Show me a human that can actually do that. So he's, he's making this correlation that
0: there are now replicants amongst us and that they're, they're being kind of tested in um service service industry spaces to see if people will notice
1: i think it's you know as good a uh i don't know story as the the hooded reptilian
0: which by the way even that is off right like the picture of the guy in the back with the hood came from a flight a different flight altogether right I think that's gonna be humanity's litmus. And all of a sudden they're sitting across from this cyborg or this you know version of AI. And all of a sudden it starts speaking languages fluently, any language, any language period fluently,
1: you know, recites. Shelley by heart spits out like you know two-pack rap with the perfect inflection that's that's the moment that humanity has when bobby v saw eric burden from backstage that's that's our moment right it's it's kind of like holy fuck how do we compete with that
0: in that moment, by the way, probably may not be that far off. Now, you, you may ask yourself, well, is that going to be real? Could they just fake all that shit? Sure, they could. But what if it was real? Astrologically, Uranus and Gemini, hello. Hello, the synthetic other, Pluto and Aquarius, the trine between
1: the two. right? That is going to be the big moment for humanity. In watching that happen, how many people do you think will be able to say to themselves, I can't compete with that? You throw that into the marketplace, into a job, it it would be one of the most demoralizing moments humanity has ever faced. Absolutely demoralizing. I'll leave you with the happy thought. Um, we'll be back on the Friday forecast.
0: I guess Mark's going to be on the show. I'll reach out to Mark on Facebook and uh, see if we can talk. Maybe, maybe that would be a good thing for Mark and I to talk about. Is this whole Uranus in uh, Gemini, Pluto in Aquarius? um, era we're about to step into and we could build our discussion around AI replicants, um, synthetic sentience. That would be a really cool discussion. I'll reach out to Mark. I think we could have a really, uh, high level, uh, high, high level share. Mark, I'm, I'm coming for you, but in a good way. All right. Thanks. Let's get out of here. Um, Have yourself a great Thursday, a great Thursday,
1: the mighty hammer.
0: And um, we'll be back tomorrow over on
1: um, the Friday
0: forecast. And hopefully we'll be talking clones, replicants, AI, and all through the astrological lens. All right. Take good care, everybody. Uh, Use your head in order to discern your heart to on what's possible. Um, Just a quick update before we jump out of here. I spoke with uh, Mark Malone last night and got an update about Jill and really they're, they're um, on the clock. You know, it's just a matter of can they get the treatment to her um, before the the cancer hits a real massive tipping point. And um, that's where she is right now. And if I get any more details, I'll be, um, I won't be happy to share them, but I'll be willing to share them. All right, for everybody that donated and helped them out,
1: thank you for all of that. Take good care. Bye for now.